It's the Locked On Canes podcast, where it's all about you. My name is Fred Purdue. I'm one of your hosts. I'm joined by my co-host, Cam Underwood. What's going on, Cam? Man, I'm tired, but <laughs> I'm here. So, I know Fred's laughing because he knows I, I just worked a, a long shift at the secret day job, and then I got family all in town, so I'm setting up for Christmas Eve dinner, which after I get off the secret day job tomorrow, I get to come home and cook for 25 people to me- immediately after that. So, that'll be fun. So, I'm already tired, thinking about how tired I'm going to be. But it's Christmas week, so whatever. We're good. How about you, Fred? Man, I'm good. I'm good, man. I don't have as many responsibilities as you. I've gotten all my Christmas shopping out of the way. The wife is happy. I got a niece and nephew here, but, you know, it's all good in the hood. All right. Yeah, I mean, happy wife, happy life, all that stuff. Uh, you know, but, uh, yeah, you know, I'm glad to hear going well for you over there. So here's the deal. We have a bowl game, so we're going to be previewing the bowl game. I know it's not a typical game week. It's Christmas week. You guys get the preview. You get the aftermath. It is what it is. It just happens the way it is. Maybe next time we get a New Year's Six Bowl, we won't have to worry about this or a national championship kind of situation. Hey, you might have might not have this situation, but it is what it is, so the show must go on. So before we get mm-hmm. into this thing, make sure you go follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Canes. Go follow Underwood, at Underwood Sports. You can find myself on Twitter at Fred Purdue CFB. That is P-E-R-D-U-E. Also, go follow the show on Instagram at the same thing, at Locked on Canes. So now, Cam, I know you have a spiel. I, I haven't forgotten you. I haven't forgotten Look, you. Look, I'm, I'm going to make it real quick. Just be sure you go follow the show. Um, iTunes, Podomatic, Stitcher, anywhere you get a, a podcast. Like, subscribe, give us five stars. Boom, right back at you. So, before we jump into this thing, uh, previewing this bowl game, we have a little news about this thing. Uh, Michael Pinckney, great linebacker, been here for four years. We're going to miss him, all that great jazz. He is not participating in the bowl game. He is going on, he is sitting out this one just to go prepare for the NFL. I support this one. He's, this is, you know, this is a meaningless bowl game. Half the team wants to sit out. Go ahead. Let's go get some freshmen. Whatever. Whatever we got to do. Get better. It's a meaningless I mean, it, it is, but, I mean, it has meaning for those people who are going to be returning to this roster. Michael Pinckney is a fourth-year senior who's been starting since his freshman year. Mm-hmm. He's not having the same 52-game starting streak that Shaq Corman is going to have because Michael Pinckney has had a couple injuries even this year. So I think it's, you know, maybe good and smart for him. You sit out. Sam Brooks, you're up. I don't want to see any Ryan Ragoni, number 34, walk-on linebacker. No, 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 no. Miss me with that. But Sam Brooks, yeah, give me all that smoke. Um, put him out there. You know, I don't know what the parameters of a an athlete or, sorry, academic redshirt are in the terms of this program. But if there's any way that he has done his work and can play, Avery Huff, let me see him on the field because he's an athletic freak. Uh, next to Shaq Quarterman as well. Um, you know, maybe you run in a little bit more Gilbert Frierson. You know, obviously the last game of uh, Romeo Finley as well. So, you know, I I agree. I support anybody's decision, whether it's or, you know, the decision to sit in or out of a bowl game. I'm with it. I'm not going to call that guy out for it. I understand it a little bit more than, you know, Maybe some other guys uh, across the college football landscape, but you know, in any event, we've seen the last of number fifty-six Michael Pinkney in a Miami Hurricanes uh, jersey. So all I can say is, you know, salute for uh, four years of just putting your heart on the line, uh, laying it out there for this team, Mike. We appreciate it, man. 
So just for formalities, Miami is facing off against Tech uh, in the walk-on Independence Bowl. Last time I checked, the line was six and a half. It started at seven and a half. That is embarrassing. At, at any point in time, I'm sorry. This is that's embarrassing. Miami should be a three touchdown favorite in this game every time. But this my this iteration of the Miami Hurricanes, even with guys sitting out. I mean, we've seen some up and down things, and maybe another CUSA team has a chance to. Stop. I mean, we've already seen one in the first ever loss to FIU. Um, but yeah, you know, Miami is a touchdown favorite, six and a half points, basically a touchdown. And uh, yeah, you know, it's one of those things where Miami needs to come out and play, hopefully, to the Miami standard. And that's what, you know, ever since I've been on this podcast, I've been saying, and, you know, for the duration of this season on other podcasts and writing it on State of the U, and for many years, I've said, if Miami does what Miami needs to do, Miami has not beat most teams in America. Look, and I know that people are going to latch on to that. Oh, you're saying we can beat Alabama. You're saying we can beat Clemson. No, you need everything to possibly go right to have a chance at that. But if Miami does what they need to do, it could be more of a game than 35-3 to like we saw the last time we played at Clemson. This is the same kind of a thing to me. Like, if we do what we need to do, there's no problem. Look, Arkansas State walked up and down the field against FIU in their bowl game. And you're telling me that Miami couldn't do that? Like, it... it, it we got to get in tune with our star players. I mean, you got to look in the mirror and say, look, I am the baddest mother you know, and I'm not going to let some dude from Louisiana Tech guard me. I I have so many mixed feelings about this one because part of me says this is going to be a very ugly game, one of those we're going to play down to our opponent type of games, and I hope it's not. Uh, a fourth defender in Trajan Bandy, uh, cornerback, he wasn't confirmed uh, not leaving the team, according to the Miami Herald, he was actually reported as with the team in Shreveport. So, but, 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 but it has been reported that he is going to go pro after this year. <sighs> Trajan Bandit. But didn't and we have this conversation already about him? Get, but the thing, but the thing about it is, the other part of that report is he knows he might not get drafted, but his family's financial and health situation dictates that he go out of that money. And that's one of the things that you cannot over, like, overlook, overstate. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you just, I mean, if you are tasked, if you have a talent that you could possibly be the man of the household and provide for your family, you know, nuclear and extended, that's the weight of the world on your shoulders. And I mean, yeah, we're looking at it on the outside, but I mean, think about you at 20 years old with whatever talent you have. And look, I knew people who left the school of music at Miami because they got a gig touring at 19 years old and said, look, I can make six figures now plus recording royalties for the rest of my life. And my mom can retire from this job that she is slaving or these three jobs she's slaving right now. And I can make that happen at 19 years old because I play the saxophone well. And that's a career that can last you a lifetime. Think about a football player. That career can last you four years if you're lucky. And I think that's where Trajan Bandy is. So, I mean, is it in a perfect world? Would Trajan Bandy come back to this team as a senior, elevate his draft stock, and maybe get drafted in the fifth round? Yes. But there's exterior factors, and you cannot overlook those. I hope in situations like his, I hope he set himself up externally off the football field, made that connection or two that he needs to make. I think he's making a mistake, but I understand why he's making this mistake. He's betting on himself. I see him as a – I might 
I might go. He'd be a UFA for me right now. But things change. That whole combine thing changes things. Unfortunately, he won't have a senior bowl to go to. Uh, on the other side of things, before we kind of dive into the Louisiana State, or I'm sorry, Louisiana uh, Tech aspect of things, uh, there they also have a uh, Associated Press All-American selection and cornerback Amik Robinson, uh, Robertson, who has five interceptions. He's announced last week that he will forego his senior season and also uh, will not play in this bowl game as well. So uh, on both sides, you have a little bit of attrition, um, no injury-related type of things, but guys are t- guys are really starting to say, no, I don't want any part of the bowl games, especially if it's a meaningless bowl game where you're not in a New Year's Six or, uh, or a, a playoff type of situation. If you're not in those, and you have, I mean, you're hurting your team, but I understand why you have to do you. So uh, those are all of the uh, – any news and notes concerning this game from you? I mean, the only thing you said is there's no injury concerns. The only one that I would say is the counterpoint to that is DJ Dallas is out for the year, mm-hmm. and that was, you know, from the FIU game. So that was a carryover. So some people might be thinking, oh, wait, Fred said there's no injury. No, 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 no new injuries. No new injuries. Yeah. You know what I mean? No new injuries. But, yeah, I mean, the fact that he's out, uh, DJ Dallas is, you know, he's been out. So don't think that, you know, all of a sudden just because of that he's, he's going to be in. He won't. So we're going to break down, as we always do on any game week, we'll break down the other team, give them a few minutes of our time. We're not here to talk about We're not the Louisiana Tech podcast, but we give them a little, just a smidge of respect, so we'll talk about those guys on the other side. All right, so we have Louisiana Tech. Uh, this team you don't see a ton of, uh, but for me, when I see what I see is a team that can score points, get Pulse-led team, uh, what do you see? Uh, any, anybody that just stands out that makes you like, uh-oh, I'm afraid? Any kind of Louisville-type aspects, like a 2-2 Atwell maybe, that can just say, hmm, he can score a couple points, make us a little bit worried a little bit? I'm going to keep it real with the Chief. I haven't really done much research about this team because this is that kind of a bowl game. So, no, not really. As I'm looking now, Justin Henderson, the running back, he had almost uh, 967 yards and 15 minutes. That's 14 carries a game for 81 yards. Okay, that could maybe be something. The quarterback, Jamar Smith, 2,800 yards, 17 touchdowns, and only four interceptions. Not that, you know, uh, explosive, but efficient. Okay, and he's a senior. I'll take that. Um you know, Malik Stanley at wide receiver, a Griffin Hebert, or, yeah, Hebert, Adrian Hardy, who's only played in nine games. So I see that they have a variety of receivers that they throw to. Um, as I'm looking on defense, you know, that unit that was once coordinated by Blake Baker, like last year. Uh, you got one, two, three, four guys who have 60 or more tackles. If I go to sacks, uh, you got, you know, one, two, three guys with three or more, five guys with two or more sacks on the year. So, I mean, they're the kind of typical USA team who has a couple of guys who are, you know, maybe the lower tier power five caliber players. They're playing to that kind of a level. And then you just kind of have a rank and file of, you know, shooters. We're going to get it done by committee, not really one standout player. Like, you know, they had a Jalen Ferguson, the defensive end, and I mean, he was another guy who, you know, when you look at these two stars who get drafted and things like that, he's a guy who grew three inches and gained 60 pounds. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and he was a generational talent for them. They don't necessarily have one of those on either side of the ball that I see. But, you know, they're a scrappy team. They're, they've won nine games this year, which, you know, is more than you can say for the Miami Hurricanes. So they have practiced and they score 34 points a game. 
And that's nothing to shake a stick at. So, I mean, yeah, they got blown out by Texas. They got blown out by Marshall. They got, and they lost a close game to UAB. Who won the who are probably the three be best teams on their roster. Yeah, you can't be too mad at a, at a loss to Texas, even though. Weren't those guys supposed to be back or something like that at the beginning of the year? Or going Coming off of last year. year. Coming off of last year against be, uh, beating Georgia like they did. Yeah, about that. I mean, the quarterback said it. Yeah. He, at that bowl game, he said, ooh, we're back. Yeah. And then, you know, Texas went whatever they went. Not very good. One, two, seven three, and five. four losses. Yeah. One, five losses. Excuse me. Yeah, you seven, correct. Five. Seven and five. Yeah, Yikes. I always I have a I got a good buddy that he's a Texas fan and I and I know I'm kind of going off the wheels a little bit, but uh, I always make sure I let him know every single time I see him, we're back, huh? Um, never do that. Never ever ever do that. Don't don't count your chickens for they had especially uh, if you're in a Power Five conference and you have no history of winning in at least the last five years. But nonetheless, um, yes, this this Louisiana Tech team, they're they're the average. They're I won't call them bad because they can score points, and that's the crazy yeah. part. They can they can score points. Got to give a big shout-out to Justin Henderson, a Polk County guy. So I always kind of – I like when those guys get out of here and kind of go somewhere and, and make a name for themselves. Uh, like you, I've, I've given this team no real respect. In reality, this team shouldn't even be on the field with Miami. But no talent-wise, this team isn't on the field with them. But – in reality, Miami plays down to this team and every other team that's like them. They play mm-hmm. down to them, and they let them hang around or let them beat them, FIU. I will never, ever let that one go until you win another national championship, Miami. Then I'll let it go. Not even. Not, not even. even. Not I watched even? every play of that game. And, you know, I was just looking up real quick. Louisiana scored 35 points seven times this year. That's That's really respectable. Good. That's very respectable. Seven out of 12 and 35 points. That's 29th in the country. Just saying. Hello. Just saying. I mean, which Miami isn't touching. And I mean, for a defense that allows 23.7 points a game, that's that's still top 50 in the country. I mean, it, this isn't going to be just your typical cakewalk team. I mean, they finished second in the, in the division behind who they lost to by a close margin. They only lost by six points. So it's not like they're this. I mean, the CUSA is a bunch of team, a bunch of guys that should be at other schools. They're just they missed the cut. I mean, it's not like these guys are on scholarship, too. I hate when I see, you know, teams that get no respect simply because they ha- they don't have a Power 5 conference attached to their name. Some of these schools are actually pretty good, and they're actually, it's good football. One, hence why I love watching some of these bowl games, which I got to get back to this market. So, you know, you know see, what, see what those guys are doing at some point. Who knows? I love, I'm a college football fan at the, uh, at the, begin- at the end of the day. So, uh, mm-hmm. but, but, you know, we'll, I know you guys aren't here to talk listen to us banter on about Louisiana Tech. So we'll get to the main star of the show, the, the Miami Hurricanes on the other I side. I mean, we're not going to talk more about Louisiana Tech because, you know, they're the winning, the the more winning team. I didn't want to I'm good to talk back to the Hurricanes. Yeah, I don't want to give that much respect. Just a, just a smidge. That's why I say a smidge. Just a smidge. Right. So we'll okay. talk about the Louisiana. We'll, take, we'll talk about the Miami Hurricanes on the other side. All right. So. This is what this is the main attraction. If you smell what the canes are cooking, I, I think I do. I'm not sure if I do. I mean, that kind of went off real quick, but you know, we have this. This team's had some time to heal. They've had some time to kind of lick their wounds. This is the type of game that I want to. What I want from this Miami team is a is just a bit of a reset. Take the momentum like you did against a West Virginia a few years back when before Brad Kaya just 
decided to up and leave for whatever reason uh, and, and take that into next year where you can have some momentum and you because you're going to need it. You're going to need it. And I think that can happen if this team doesn't play down to their opponent. Yeah, but if you remember, and that was, what, 2016? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The couple of years before we went on that 10-0 run. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Miami ended the year on a five-game win streak that year. So it wasn't that they pulled this one magical performance out of thin air. You know, you, you went to Notre Dame. I went up for that game. Uh, even being from Detroit, that was the first time I'd ever been to South Bend. Spoiler alert, that will be the only time in my life that I go to South Bend. You probably should have won that game. Then you beat Pittsburgh, hang 50 on them, at Virginia, at North Carolina State, Duke, and then the bowl game. So this was not – it was building towards that. This would be that one random hype game, that one – you pull it out of the middle of thin air. Oh, hey, we're going to play like the level of the talent on this roster all of a sudden. I don't think they have it in them, to be honest. I think that they – okay, let me, let, me, let me clarify that statement because I know that Fred is sitting there looking at his microphone. What now? Miami, I don't think they have it in them to grasp a Russell Athletic Bowl against West Virginia-like performance out the middle of thin air. I think that they can – Improved to the point where they beat Louisiana Tech, but that what which we saw at the end of 2016, leading into 2017, that is a bridge too far for them to achieve immediately right now on Thursday. I can agree with you. Uh, I, I what I need to see is I need the offensive line, and and I'm putting it on them. I know what to expect from the defense, even if there is no Michael Pinkney, even if there is no Trajan Bandy. If he doesn't play, I hope he does. But he's been actually one of my favorite players despite his size. I have some – I don't know. Small corners just – I have a little bit of a soft spot for. Um, But – The chip on their shoulder, the Napoleon complex, the, you know, everybody has doubted me, but I'm going to go out here and ball kind of instincts. And I appreciate that from Trajan Bandy. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's playing on the outside. That challenge of wanting to play against tall guys. I mean, it didn't work out all that great. But you know, that's what I'm saying. Can we? Can we? Can we just put him back? Put him in at, the nickel and just let him live in the nickel. And it's like you know, back in the day when we had NCAA, mm-hmm. and you know, you scored 95 points a game, and your nickelback would win the Thorpe Award because he's playing man free all year, and he had like 17 interceptions or whatever. Mm-hmm. But then you know, other guys graduate, and you put him to the outside, and quote unquote, he's not as good. But sometimes you're like, nah, I want to leave that guy in the slot because he fits perfectly there. That's Trajan Bandy. Like, I mean, come on, bro. Like, let's even with you know, DJ Ivy slipping down very badly in multiple times, especially like that North Carolina game on that one throw. Ugh. But I would rather leave uh, Ivy and Blades outside and just let the hook slot because you're not going to, you know, I mean, he, he's, he's so There's good There's nothing wrong with being a great nickel corner. You're a starter nowadays. It is what it is in the age of the spread offense. But I know this defense can, can hold teams to 20. If you can hold a team to 20, that's cool. I'm good with that. Because what, mm-hmm. I, what I know this offense needs is a little bit of confidence from a good running game. Can we get the horses just pounding on people? That's where Aaron Williams looked great. Give him a good play-action passing game. Throw all the RPO stuff out of the window. Please, can we just get rid of He's not ready for that. Get it out of his system. He doesn't need this. This is a simple game plan. 
lean on their defensive line. You're bigger, badder, and faster, stronger than these guys. Run the football. Post routes I mean, are post routes galore because we know we know we have what we have on offense. You know you have Wiggins. Is has it been confirmed that we'll have that Jeff Thomas is actually playing, or is he just going? No, Jeff Thomas gone. Okay, he's gone. Okay, so I can live with a Wiggins and Pope type of situation. It's what we have going forward. Cool. Will Mallory in the middle of the field taking up space, clearing out those those routes for. For Mike Harley, who I think is he—he he could be a star at Miami at any point, but he gets overlooked so much. He—I mean—he's great at what he does, and let Jaron just do what he does. Let him give give him easy throws. Stop trying to make things so complicated by giving him these long developing routes. Do what spread offenses do: use the short passing game as an extension of the running game, and let these guys use their athletic talents. It's simple, coach. It should be, and that's what we're talking about all of the time. Let's go at a little bit of tempo. Let's use the space out there. Let's maybe, I don't know, every once in a while, it's a novel idea, but Danny knows, maybe hear me out, run something to the wide side of the field where you got all that space as opposed to wedging it into the boundary with the short side. Maybe, just maybe do that. And I mean, look, you got guys and you have speed. You know, Jeremiah Payton, still on this roster. If you want to talk about another scholarship wide receiver, I know that he's not as heralded as everybody else and probably maybe should be in rotation. But, I mean, a Marshall Few, he can go and get open. You know, and he's a guy that you brought in on scholarship. And under the thing, who? Marshall Few? What? I don't even know that name. Yeah, exactly. But he's a scholarship wide receiver here. Go look him up. You know, he was the first team All-State in a small um, – classification in Florida a couple of years ago. I mean, that's a guy who can run routes. Jeremiah Payton, like I said, Mark Pope, like I said, D Wiggins, obviously like he, that seven route, that post route. Oh, he got that in the bag. So, I mean, like, come on, let's go. I mean, it, you know, Lorenzo Lingard by all reports from, you know, his camp is healthy. Maybe you take the bubble wrap off a of number one in this bowl game. You know, maybe you do some things that you haven't, shown yet and maybe it's not the you know if you think let's just hypothesize for a moment if you think that next year you're going to be in a dogfight with Clemson in the ACC championship game and you need a two-point conversion to win the ACC championship and you have that a one day one tier one play that you are going to run on that play to win that you don't need to run that in this bowl game but pretty much everything else why the hell not you know, it's, it's one of those things, just go ahead and empty out the proverbial six-shooter. Why not? I mean, just do it. I mean, you have n- nothing else to lose. I mean, go ahead and lose it. I mean, you could lose a ball game. And go right, I mean, but, but losing this ball game does what, functionally? It does nothing. You already have your – you have the core of your signing class already signed. I mean, you're not – it's not like you're getting Justin Flo – of course you're not. It's not like you're getting Darnell, or Darnell, or Washington. Darnell Washington. Of course you're not. Um, but you have what you have, and you're going to move forward with this. Uh, you've already done ex- – uh, hopefully you've given a lot of these guys the, the practice reps, these young players, the practice reps that they need going forward, and you can kind of transition that into the spring. This is just your last two raw. This is your last you're leaving us, the fans, with. Because at the end of the day, we're, we're both just – we're fans. We may cover this team, but we're still fans of this team. 
Leave yeah. me. I mean, look, and I'm gonna I'm gonna root and I'm gonna cheer. And it's funny, there is a walk-ons bistro bar, like the one that sponsors this game, not too far away from my house in northeast Fort Lauderdale. I believe me and a couple of Canes fans or myself and a couple of Canes fans are gonna go over there and be at walk-ons to watch the walk-ons independence bowl. But honestly, you need to see what the young guys can do in this system. So obviously run your stuff. But if you think that the progression of this system is going to go into one specific place, then you need to run those plays also, or at least a couple of them. Because you'll see now, can these guys accomplish that which we're trying to grow towards? Because if not, now you have tangible evidence that you can alter the course of how you're going to move forward with that. But that sounds too much like right. This is true. This is true. Um, the one thing I will ask you, sir, is, and this one's directly for you because I know this is, even though he's not your guy, he's definitely not my guy. Are we going to see a little bit of Tate Martell at all in this one? I have a feeling that we are. It's almost like, um, like I said about Romello Height before he flipped to Auburn, before he stopped lying about that secret visit. When there's too much smoke for there not to be some fire, I think that the same thing uh, bodes true for Tate Martell. If he's back like he is, if he's splitting reps, and I know that all the reps or all the quarterbacks are splitting reps with the ones, I, you know, I, I think that he came back for a reason. I think that there has been a conversation. I think there's been a decision by Dan Enos to maybe think in this one instance, but then I don't understand how he would do this here and not extrapolate this to other parts of the offense. But thinking, hey. If Perry Williams didn't work for us this year on offense, even though they combined for 27 touchdowns and eight interceptions, but I digress, then maybe we look somewhere else to find a player that would fit in that being Tate Martell. I could easily see that being the leap of logic or the path that he would take mentally to get there. It still boggles my mind that he would see how everything else schematically that he's done has failed so hard and not tried to update that. But, you know, all things in due time. Honestly, I don't want to see any Tate Martell that includes a Wildcat type of package or Why not? I, I don't. Uh, I've never been. Why not? I'm not a huge fan of taking your quarterback off the field. If it's if you want to put him in at quarterback, that's fine. But if you want to just take your guy off the field, I'm assuming that's going to be one Jaron Williams. Leave him on the But board. who's your guy? You've already rotated. You've already shown that even for all the talk about him being the guy, the guy, the guy. Neither him nor Nicosi earned that this year. Yeah, neither one did earn it. Uh, I think part of it is scheme. I, I just, like I said at the beginning of the, of the show, throw all the RPO stuff out where he has to think about, think way too hard. Make the game plan very, very simple. It's very, having come, when you come from that, most coaches will tell you, Keep it simple. If you can keep it simple, run the ball. You're going to have action shots. Take away all the things that make him think. Let him react. That's where your tempo thing comes in. Let the tempo go. Yeah. And if you can do college football play calling, I've never called plays at the college level, but I'm assuming that it's very, as long as you keep it simple, you're only doing about maybe three or four, maybe five things out of multiple window dress situations, formations. It's not that hard to just make his life easy. Aaron think right now. He may be that guy that needs more experience, and you add in stuff as you go. Don't throw the whole playbook at him. Not everybody's a Brad Kaya where they can just figure it out from the day from day one. 
some guys. I don't ever think that they were going to throw the whole playbook at Tate Martell. You know, I think that they'll give him uh, what he can do. Mm-hmm. But honestly, I mean, look, every play with Tate Martell, even if you run an RPO, it becomes a triple. You know what I mean? Because if you want to give or throw, that's your, you know, that's your RPO, the run or the pass option. The third thing is, if I look at the first option on the pass tree and it's not open, what am I going to do? Run. So now every RPO becomes a triple option. Boom, done. Let him go. Let him cook. Let him be Johnny football or Tate football and run around and, you know, I mean, if you're going to do that, then let him do that. But that also means that Danny Nose will have to change his mentality and not run the offense that we've seen this year and just, you know, be that. It's almost like, are you going to be the first half of Brock Berlin versus Florida in 2003? Or are you going to be the second half? The first half when you ran what you wanted to run and it didn't work. And the second half when what did we do? We went shotgun spread and said, Brock Berlin, throw the ball to the yard and bring us home. And he did. So are you going to let him do him? being Tate Martell in this game, or are you not? Well, I'm interested to see it, but I don't think it's far-fetched for him to get, what, uh, you know, 10 or 15 snaps if Miami's running 75. That's one out of every five snaps. Mm -hmm. That's not crazy for me to think. No, it's not. It's not. And like I said, if you're going to leave him in as a, let's say if he, let's say he, let's say he's a leaf guy. Jaron doesn't play well, and you just say, Nikosi, he's you're not my guy, and we're going to go with Tate. We want to see what we have in Tate before we say it's, it's been cool. We're going to kick the tires on you. Okay, fine. But if you're just going to put him in as a wildcat quarterback in the middle of the field, it's third and long or third and short, you can miss me with that. I'm not with that. I, I hate throwing the rhythm, the rhythm of the offense off, per se. That's, Does the fact – I and I hear you on that. Does the fact that you have so many players – alter that mentality for this bowl game, which we have openly said and note as being worthless. Um, and I'd be okay with it in that because of that too. Um, the, like if you're saying a full-time change, just say give him a quarter, give him a half. No, 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 no. I'm saying what you said of third and short, we go to the tape package. Cause why not? If you're in if, a bowl game, that's meaningless. Uh, if you're just, if so you're, okay, so oh, that's wait, a wait, good wait, wait. question. So, that is a good question. I'm, I, that is a really look. Good I, I'm I'm paying attention to you. So okay, so then would you rather the third and two or the the odd random you know change up play or change up two plays from Tate Martell or the look number eighteen second quarter is yours. Go with God. Let's get it. Which would you rather prefer if you had to have one of those for Tate Martell playing in this game? I think is going to happen. I'd say give him the second quarter. Uh, I, I, I've just never, regardless of the team, I, I've mm-hmm. always hated that. Take our real quarterback off the field because we, the defense knows nine times out of ten that you're, it's a run. You know it's a run. You're not going to go put a new guy in and just throw it around the yard for one play. So we know it's going to be some kind of gadget play, some kind of a wrinkle, read option type of situation. But if you put, if you know he's in, he's going to be coming out consistently, he's this is his whole quarter. 
then that changes the game plan a little bit. And now that defense has to play back a little bit because you have to, you don't know what this guy can do as far as a passer because we've just never seen it. So you can't just anticipate, oh, it's just a run. It's just an RPO. You have to be ready for everything in the playbook. That's all I'm saying. Okay. All right. And the thing, another thing that I would like to see, and this is something that, and I know people hate him because online presence is terrible when it comes to the Miami Hurricanes. But he's actually a good guy. He's a friend of mine. Bud Elliott, the founder of Tomahawk Nation, now at Banner Society, formerly the SB Nation college, uh, national college football website. He and I started talking about this many, many, many moons ago, even before I started with State of the U, uh, when we were just on Twitter talking back and forth about left-handed skill position players on trick plays. Because you, it's maybe that right-handed, you know, uh, whatever, just kind of ubiquity across life, where you think every player is right-handed, Everybody running to their right, that's the way it's going to go. But you see somebody running to their left, and all of a sudden it's, okay, we're running a reverse. Oh, my God, it's a left-handed skill position you know, player with a, with, a skill, uh, with a trick play, which is something that Bud and I have, every time we see one, we pretty much add each other over the course of years. And it's happened a lot. I don't know who on the Miami's offense is left-handed. But it would be interesting if we then were, again, one of those teams that ran. Because Herb Waters was left-handed. And, and that was the last time that Miami ran a trick double pass with a left-handed skill player. I don't know who we have that fits that bill in this on this roster right now, but I would love it to see a left-handed Miami Hurricanes skill player with like a double pass, whatever, secret play. I would love to see it. The thing is, um, when you – to coach left-handed, uh, and I've done it, and it's it's I've done it one time, and it's very, very – it's difficult because everything is reversed. And if you have Look, to, all you got to do is run the play. Look, all you got to do is run the play the other way. And it and, sounds easy. And, it sounds so No, no, easy. wait, 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 wait. Especially if you go misdirection, right? Mm-hmm. That means that the offensive line doesn't really change much. That means the receivers barely have to change anything. The only thing is incumbent upon the guy throwing the pass, except for he doesn't have to learn how to throw left-handed cuz he is left-handed and that's the trick. It can work. I'm telling if you. It's a, if it's a one, if it's a one-off, sure. Oh yeah. If it's just a one-off, sure. And that's the, also the thing about Tate Martell because of him being left-handed. Um, no, he's right-handed. He's right-handed. Okay, so mm-hmm. he's a short. He's just short. he's short. He, he's he's five. <laughs> he's five nine, five ten. He's I I've seen him. He's he's small. He is really small. Um, he is. But yeah, if you if you're wanting to do the the one-off gadget play, this is the time to do it. Um, but you have to set those type of things up. You can't just run it randomly. You have to. You have the little things, the little motions. I actually remember against the against um, Louisville, they set that that long touchdown, that two-two. They had set it up the whole game. They'd run him across the formation. They'd run him back. They'd motion him out. That was a simple mesh route. No, 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 no. There was another. Was it the touchdown or was it the? There was a long run. He ran. They ran a jet sweep with him. Um, early in the game, and he got a big run out of it. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. Do you know? Does that? Does that? I remember. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. They set that up with a lot of different motions. They'd cross the formation, and then they just hand it off, or they'd run him across, but run him back, 
And that's those type of things get an aggressive defense flowing. Those are the type of things you have to do to set that type of thing out, to set that type of thing up. Yeah, I mean, you could, but I mean, you can also just leverage the situation of we're doing this. Or look, if you run it off of a jet sweep or, a, you know, one of those kind of motions, that's built into the offense already. That's a thing you've seen and put on film. So, okay, we've run it with K.J. Osborne a million times. I know that he's right-handed, but you run it going right to left with somebody who's left-handed mm-hmm. or whatever. You make that first edge guy miss. You don't go across the line. All of a sudden, boom, that's a pass, and it's a touchdown just because of that. So, I mean, I think that there are some of those things that have been hinted at that you can use to build the foundation of a trick play. And, again, maybe, again, this is just me and a thing that Bud Elliott and I have been talking about for years with a left-handed skill position player. It could be a right-handed player. It could go, you know, the opposite direction. But, you know, it's just a thing that popped into my head. So if we're talking about the ball game and things that we could see, left-handed skill position player, you know, for a special play, which, again, Herb Waters did back in the day for Miami, why not see it again if somebody on that roster exists? Now, as we put a bow on this whole thing, and we'll kind of talk about it once it's all over with, um, is there anything, maybe a bold prediction that you have anything crazy could happen outside of maybe Miami just blowing this one and losing another to another CUSA team? Is there anything just kind of out there that you may want to predict? Um, no. Nothing? Well, yeah. I, okay, well, I'll go with this then. Since I've already said that I believe Tate Martell is going to play, I believe the Miami Hurricanes are going to play three quarterbacks. Ooh. Significant time. Ooh. In this bowl game. So they're going to treat it like a glorified spring game. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, yeah, I think I, that's my bold prediction. I don't think that anybody has the, the reins to this job. I don't think that anybody really has a hold on it. So we're going to play, a, you know, just a, a rotating kind of a, a carousel there because we'll see who gets a little bit here, a little bit there. But I think all three of them, Tate Martell, Nicosi Perry, and Jerry Williams, I think every, all of them play 15 or more snaps in this ballgame. I think you'll see a little bit more of the Will Mallory show. Very interesting for me. Uh, I want him to be really good. So come next year, two tight ends are the hardest thing to stop, especially if you're setting up two, four wide, uh, even three wide. You put you can put a guy like Brevin in the slot and force teams to have to match up a little bit different. That'll be interesting. Maybe the so the continued development of, of one Will Mallory is my one bold prediction. I think he could get like 85 yards. That's not out of the realm of possibility. Mm-hmm. Can I make a second one? Mm-hmm. Sure. One, a freshman. Ooh. A freshman. Ooh. I don't care or know whom, but a freshman is going to have a sack in this game. Sam Brooks, maybe. Maybe. Jafari Harvey. A Jason Blissett, Jared Harrison Hunt, you know, there, there's plenty of who I think are going to play, especially with, you know, Trayvon Hill and uh, Jonathan Garvin sitting out this bowl game that bumps up a couple of guys, um, you know, maybe get a Christian Williams on an edge blitz, um, you know, from his cornerback position, you know, maybe, a, um, actually, I don't think that Keontre Smith can play in this bowl game because I think he played in four games already. But yeah, I think that there's going to be a freshman, maybe two, who get sacks in this bowl game. That's my other bowl prediction. Now, who okay. who wins this game? And you can give me your complete honesty. If you really feel Miami's going to go out and lay an egg in this one, let me know. I, as a pious person like Mark Richt, although maybe not as pious, I believe that you walk by faith and not by sight. 
but I cannot have faith in this team because I have not seen it. So at this point, I believe that the Louisiana Tech, whomever their mascot is, Bulldogs, I think that they're going to win until Miami proves. And I know Miami's going to come out and hang 70 on these boys and shut them out just because I say Louisiana Tech is going to win. But I openly, openly invite them to prove me wrong. But I think that Louisiana Tech wins this game. I think we're gonna we're in, we're kind of on the same path here. Um, I think Miami loses another close one, uh, and, and it won't be close early, but it'll be close. Late. The score will say it'll, it was close, but I think it'll be very much like how um, FIU was. These guys have talent; they can score on a lot of teams. And uh, if you struggle with FIU, you're really gonna struggle with these guys. And it'll the score will probably be something like twenty eight, twenty four, something like that. It'll, uh, Miami will not cover in this one. That's my that that'll be my other bold prediction as well as what a score will be. Twenty eight, twenty four. Miami will not cover. Yeah, I mean, it is. And I hate I saying can, it. I can foresee that whenever we reconvene, that we're both talking about. Well, wow, we're gonna Miami get really put it together. We got that one wrong. <laughs> oh boy, yeah. that was. I can totally see that now that both of us say that they're gonna lose, but. But I haven't no, seen anything different to prove me wrong. Exactly. Yo, like you got to <laughs> pretend I'm from Missouri, man. You got to show me. Like, I cannot just believe that you're going to do it. And I've been saying this for the longest time. But I cannot believe that despite what we have seen, that Miami is just going to be different, that they're going to put it together in the way that they need to. So I cannot sit here and predict that right now. I hope, I hope, I hope that everybody who listens to this at me at Underwood Sports on Twitter or emails me. My email is in my Twitter bio. I'm not going to put it out here on, on the show, but you can go find it. At me or email me talking about, Cam, you were wrong on your prediction. Miami blew them boys out. I would love nothing more to hear that from all of you. But at this point, I cannot sit here and foresee that happening. I'm sorry. And that's at the fault of the Miami Hurricanes for putting this mentality on the table. For now. Yeah, this one's been – this one's – it's tough – always picking against your team. I picked against this team a couple times this year. Uh, the one time I did, the first time I picked against this team was against was against Pitt. Um, well, I was wrong about that one, but for a good I three, was right on that one. For for uh, for about three and a half quarters, I was kind of right. So, you know, it's it's one of those things. We'll just see, have to see how this team kind of progresses. Uh, we'll be back here on Friday to kind of recap everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. Uh. Uh, Friday, Friday, bro. Friday, I know, I know, I know. All right, we'll talk about it off air. Yeah, we'll have to talk about it off air. We'll have to do something about. It. You know, I, I've always, you know, the one thing I've, I said, we may have to talk about this one going forward. Maybe uh, as the game is going in a sound a game, maybe that we don't care about too much. You ever thought about maybe giving giving the good folks maybe a, a good half, maybe a good half of just live show, maybe maybe one day. <laughs> I mean, you, you forget that I got, you know, I got I know, right you, to. I know, I know. You know, I, I got the good, the bad, and the ugly on State of the Eve every yeah, week. I and I mean, that's our biggest piece yeah, of the week yeah. every week, which is why I, you know, the former managing editor, he transitioned out like a few years ago, and I took that piece over then. So that is kind of my baby now. But like, you know, I got, I got that too. But maybe. Maybe. One time. Maybe we'll, we'll, one time. we'll think of a live we'll stream option or something. Yeah, yeah. If we get somebody that's like a just a FBA, FCS school, something like that, just as a little treat or something, who knows? That's in going into next year, guys. But make sure you go. I follow. mean, yeah, we'll see. And you know, maybe hey, you know, if you're if you're listening to this and you're a sponsor and thinking, hey, we would love to sponsor something like that, holla at your boy. Yeah. 
Yeah, we would greatly love to have you sponsor the show. Not gonna say any Amen. names, but um, there's a there's one one company in particular. I, you know, <laughs> we I, talked about that. Yeah, I know. Fred is pining. Fred is like, yo, if this company closes, they call. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, if they want to co- come dropping dimes. Ooh, dang! Did I say that out loud? Ooh. Mm. Better call Tyrone. Yeah, 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 that right call there. Call it. So, uh, but make sure you go follow the show on Twitter uh, at Locked On Canes. Make sure you follow Cam on Twitter at Underwood Sports. Make sure you go follow myself on Twitter at Fred Purdue CFV. Uh, by the time we talk about this thing and the aftermath of this thing, it'll be Christmas. So, Merry Christmas to you. Merry Christmas to you, sir. I hope you get everything you want, even that win. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, you know, so. Uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours as well. Be sure that as you are, uh, you know, unwrapping your gifts and everything, if you've not already done this, take out your mobile device, follow the show, like and subscribe, Spotify, iTunes, Podomatic, Stitcher, anywhere you get your podcast. Like, subscribe, give us five stars. Uh, and this is mine and Fred's gift to you for Christmas. So thank you all for rocking with us. Thank you for listening. And thank you after the bowl game. For Cam, this is Fred. This is the Locked on Canes podcast, and it's all about the you. Go Canes.